0: It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff Show. On my podcast on Friday, I talked about the reversal day that stocks put in on Wednesday where we gapped way down and then rallied and closed up and it was a strong outside reversal day. And I thought, well, this could be the beginning of a correction. The correction meaning the rise in a bear market. See, everybody thinks we're in a correction now of a bull market. But I think the bull market is over and a rise is the correction. And so I thought maybe we'll get one based on that reversal day. And we did for one day. The market was up on Thursday. I think that that was up better than 200 points. So we did have some follow through uh, to the gains that we had On Tuesday and Wednesday, we had three consecutive up days. Remember, we had a big down day on Monday, but then we had those three up days. Well, the whole correction came to an end today. The Dow at one point, again, was down better than 700 points. Uh, We didn't close that bad. We were down 572 points, but still below 24,000, 23,932. This is only the second close this year below 24,000 on a weekly basis. The last time was two weeks ago. The NASDAQ down 161 points, back below 7,000, 6,915. Dow Transports were also down big. They were down 307 points, just barely avoiding a Dow Theory sell signal. So we're not quite there. We can easily be there on Monday. I mean, If we have another down day on Monday, it seems that we're going to have a sell signal for the Dow theory. And that seems to be the pattern. Big down day Friday followed by a big down day Monday. And believe me, the technicals on this market look awful. And so there's certainly another chance that we have a big sell off on Monday. I mean, that seems to be the pattern this entire bear market so far. We've had the big sell offs on the Fridays and the Mondays and you know, sometimes we get a big down Friday, we don't get the follow through on Monday, but this to me looks like You know, it's all clear on the way down. I mean, we've got nothing but bad news coming out. In fact, even President Trump came out today and he said the stock market might be in for some short-term pain, right? But he says it's worth it because we're going to get long-term gain. And of course, he's referring to his tariffs or a trade war that we're going to win this trade war and that's going to deliver the long-term gain. It ain't. We're going to have short-term pain and then the pain is going to get worse in the long run. Whatever the long runway be, this is pain for no reason because these policies are a mistake. You know, we do need to take some short term pain to get some long term gain, but Trump doesn't want any part of that. What that would mean is cutting government spending, cutting entitlements, cutting defense, right? Shutting down government agencies and government departments. There would be some short term pain that would deliver some long term gain. How about if the Fed normalizes interest rates and lets the the bubbles collapse, lets people lose money, let the market restructure, right? That is short-term pain for long-term gain. That is what a real free market recession is like. Let the government get out of the way, let the central bankers get out of the way, and let the free market correct the imbalances and create a, a good foundation where we can build a lasting, viable, sustainable recovery. But that's not what the president is all about. He's about avoiding the short-term pain uh, by kicking the can down the road. But I think the reason that Trump wanted to get out and say we're going to have some pain in the stock market is so when the market goes down, it's not going to be seen as a negative. He's already setting the stage for how he's going to react because he said, yes, the market's going down because investors don't understand how good what I'm doing is. We're going to have all this benefit down the road Of the tariffs and the trade war, but the short term uh, consequences are we're going to have some pain. Well, you know, that was the title of my podcast, uh, I think last week. The quarter ends, the pain begins. Now, you know, the pain, though, is just going to be a lot more excruciating uh, than anybody thinks, probably even Donald Trump. Uh, And it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. You know, even Larry Kudlow who came out and I talked about Kudlow. Kudlow is the guy that started the reversal on Tuesday that led to the rally on Wednesday and Thursday when Kudlow came out and he said, well, you know, the tariffs, maybe they're a bluff. They're probably not going to happen. Well, now he came out today and he says, they're not a bluff. You know, he's now talking tougher and tougher on China, which is exactly what I said. Remember, as soon as they appointed Larry Kudlow, or it was out that he was going to appoint Kudlow, everybody was saying, oh, Larry Kudlow will moderate Trump. He will, you know, he will get Trump to have a more free market, non-protectionist approach. I said, uh-uh, the opposite. I said Larry Cudlow is going to be a mouthpiece for Trump. He is not being, he is not being brought to the White House uh, you know, to change Trump's mind. Right? He is there to parrot Trump's position. And Trump basically, remember I said keep your Uh, your friends close and your enemies closer. And I said, Kudlow wasn't actually an enemy of Trump. He was a big supporter, but he was talking against his tariff and protectionist agenda on CNBC on a daily basis. Now that he's part of the administration, he goes on CNBC, he goes on Fox, and he touts the president's agenda. He is now on board with the tariffs. He now wants to vilify China. He wants to punish China. Well, you know, be careful of who you think you're punishing. As I've said this many, many times, China holds all the cards. China's our banker. China's our supplier, right? They don't lose anything but a deadbeat customer if they stop trading with us. The best thing that China can do is get rid of their treasuries. Everybody talks about all the money China's going to lose if they dump their treasuries. They're going to lose a lot more if they don't dump their treasuries. They can avoid a loss by getting rid of their treasuries. But the problems are going to come home. Uh, to the united states and it is going to be uh, again a lot more painful than the president thinks the dollar down again today back at about 90 even down 35 again the dollar is just consolidating getting ready for its next big breakdown remember stocks are collapsing there is no flight to the dollar Remember when stocks were tanking in 2008 everybody was buying the dollar not happening now the dollar is not a safe haven right it hasn't collapsed because it's still working off the oversold condition from the collapse we've already had. But we're simply biding time to get ready for the next major leg down, which is going to happen any day. The opposite for gold. Gold is getting ready to blow through the roof. Only up about 7 bucks today. Even though the stock market was down, you might have expected a bigger rise in gold. Didn't get one. Uh, we closed at 13 33, forty silver was actually off a penny on the day couldn't even go up but again to me all this shows is nobody is worried the dow down 700 points no one cares you know we're you know one day away from a dow theory sell signal no one cares president trump is out there warning investors they better get ready for some pain i mean most investors don't have the stomach for pain right so people are complacent they're still in denial about this bear market. It's still a correction. It's a buying opportunity. Nothing to worry about. The fundamentals haven't changed, which, of course, ironically is true. The fundamentals haven't changed. They were lousy when the market was going up, and they're lousy as the market's coming down. Except the fundamentals are actually getting worse with time because this is a time bomb, right? The debt keeps going up. Every day we're closer to the crisis. Every day there's more and more debt, right? And so every day that goes by, we're one day closer to the debt imploding. And to me, I mean, as I've been saying on these podcasts, everything seems right. All the warning signs that nobody's been looking for, they're all flashing at the same time. And I'm not the only one seeing them. You've got other people seeing them. I talked about Jeff Gundelach on, on CNBC on Wednesday, saying the same stuff, making the same observations. Uh, and so they're there. It's just that so few people are looking for it. Because they don't know what to look for. You, know, When you are trapped in a bubble, A, you don't know it's a bubble. Even after it pops, you are still in denial because you had no idea what was going on the entire time the bubble was inflating. You didn't even know it was a bubble, and you can't even see that it popped because the air comes out very slowly, right? They said nobody rings a bell at the top, right? So there's no, there was no bell ringing. But if you know what to listen for, you hear the bells, and they have been ringing them. It's just that the people are tone deaf if they are in this bubble. In fact, not only did we get the tough news, oh, by the way, the, the market was down from the from the bell based on new tariffs that are being announced by China on American products in retaliation for the new tariffs that we put on, right? So the trade war escalating. And so that negative news Uh, you know, the market sold off. But then when Larry Kudlow comes up and says, hey, we're not bluffing, you know, and starts talking tough, just like the president wanted him to do. Well, you know, to me, that's a game changer right there. But we also got negative economic news, right? Today was the uh, jobs report, the March jobs report. And remember, we had a strong report on Wednesday coming out uh, from ADP uh, on private sector employment. And A lot of people were looking for a strong number today. I mean, the consensus was 175, but the whisper number was well north of 200. There are some people looking for another 300. Remember, February, we got 313,000. And so there were people that thought we would do that again. Well, we ended up with 103,000 jobs, a very, very weak month, one of the weakest months we've had in some time. Um, Now, they did revise... February slightly higher from 313 to 326 but that really looks more and more like an outlier which is what I said at the time remember I did a podcast when that report came down I was like I said that's a real head scratcher that doesn't make sense based on all the other information that's out there and and sure enough I mean you know we have a very weak number for for April and the January number and this is some big news actually got revised down significantly. When they originally reported January, they said 236,000 jobs, right? And that got a lot of press. Donald Trump, you know, really took that number and ran with it because it was a big number. It was over 200,000. They just revised that number down to 176,000. That's 50,000 fewer. You know, if it was 176,000 when they first reported it, I think that was probably below what they were expecting. So they got all this press out of that headline, and it was fake news, right? Because we didn't create that many jobs. So that big number was an aberration. The job growth is stalling. In fact, yesterday, we got a report that came out from Challenger. and Every month, they put out the monthly announced layoffs when companies announce their layoff plans, and they saw saw 60,357 announced layoffs. Uh, in March, it was a 39% increase from March of the previous year. And it was the biggest monthly total in more than two years or nearly two years for announced job cuts. So, more companies are announcing that they're laying people off. Job growth is stalling, right? And if job growth is stalling, right, the economy is stalling. Uh, consumer spending is going to be stalling. In fact, today, consumer credit came out. It was the weakest increase in consumer credit. In five months, much lower than they thought, remember, if Americans can't charge it, they can't buy it because we're broke and so if credit card debt isn't rising it's because Americans aren't shopping and if Americans aren't shopping, maybe we're going to have four consecutive months of declining retail sales. But what Americans are buying is imported. we got the trade deficit that came out yesterday, and remember every time I talk about the monthly trade deficit, it's a new record if you take out crude oil, right? It's a new record. And this is no exception. The deficit that we just got for February was the highest in almost 10 years, which means it was higher than any trade deficit we had under Obama. And if you take out oil, it was the biggest trade deficit in American history. So the trade deficits are going up. The budget deficits are going up. As I've been talking about These twin deficits are exploding. So, so far, Trump has made no progress in reducing America's trade deficit. And somehow he thinks these tariffs are going to make a difference. They're not. In fact, his tax cuts guarantee bigger deficits because all that money is spent buying imported products. Even if you slap tariffs on those products, those are still the products that Americans are going to buy. They just won't buy as many because they won't be able to afford as many because the prices are higher. But it's not like they could just buy an alternative version made in America because we're not making those products. But, you know, despite all that bad news, the stock market didn't even really sell off when that very weak jobs number came out. But, you know, it sold off as the day progressed. And again, the action today, you know, even though we didn't close on the exact lows, I mean, we sold off. uh, The market looked weak to me all day long i mean the only positive for the market was that bond prices rose and interest rates declined a little bit but they didn't decline dramatically i mean that's another market that i think is getting ready for another big move in the wrong direction right down which means higher interest rates see everybody again believes that well you know if the economy gets worse then interest rates are going to fall to cushion the blow Well, that may not happen. If we're doing this trade war, if we're increasing our deficits, if we have bigger budget deficits and bigger trade deficits, which means we need foreigners to finance uh, larger debt, which means they have to buy more, but now we have China and our other trading partners, we're not going to buy, right? Uh, then that's going to be the big shocker for the market, is that the, the stock market goes down, the economy slows, and interest rates rise. And obviously, if interest rates are rising as the economy is slowing, that's like a double whammy, right? You don't get the buffer. In, in previous recessions, we've gotten the benefit of falling interest rates. Well, if we have a recession with rising interest rates, what cushions the blow? Nothing. You end up getting hit in the stomach and in the face at the same time. Now, of course, the Fed is going to do what they can to try uh, to block one of those punches, right, by going back to its old tricks. But that is the problem. Their, their bag of trips is empty. It's not going to work. They're going to try. They can cut rates, sure. But you know, when you're not even at 2%, you don't have a lot of room to cut. Now you can launch QE4. But given how big the deficits are during the recovery, remember I said $1.2 trillion is what we're looking at for a budget deficit without the recession. So now the recession starts and we're at $2 trillion or higher. You know, And now the Fed has got to announce QE. And again, the markets are anticipating QT, right? When the Fed announced quantitative easing the first time, the markets were expecting the Fed to do something like that. After all, we were in a crisis right? where we everything was falling apart. Financial crisis, you know, it could be worse than the Great Depression. So when the Fed came out and announced this bold measure, people, OK, you know, and, and some people like me were worried about it, correctly so, talked about why this is the wrong thing to do. That's what sent gold up to 1,900. But by the time they did QE2 and QE3, all right, certainly QE3, everybody thought this is great. We expect the Fed to do this, and it's working. Everything is fine. But if they launch QE4, nobody expects that. In fact, they expect the opposite. The markets expect the Fed to shrink its balance sheet. So if you're all geared up, if everybody thinks the Fed is going to shrink its balance sheet, and then it does the opposite of that, that is much different then the Fed not having a position at all on its balance sheet and then say, oh, we're going we're to increase the balance sheet, they're actually saying we're going to decrease it. So what that actually means, let's say the Fed was saying, we're going to shrink our balance sheet by $800 billion. And then instead they say, well, we're going to increase it by $800 billion. Well, that's $1.6 more than what the market was prepared for. They're prepared for the balance sheet to shrink, and instead the balance sheet grows. And of course, the balance sheet is going to grow much more than what everybody thought it was going to shrink. But the magnitude of that shift and what it's going to do to the bond markets, what it's going to do to the foreign exchange markets, what it's going to be do to the gold markets, none of this stuff is in the markets. Everybody's going to be surprised. And you see, that's when the markets make big moves. See, normally, the markets are forward-looking. They start to discount things that they think are going to happen. Well, if you don't think something is going to happen, how can it be discounted? So it's when the markets are blindsided, when they're surprised, that's when you see the biggest moves because they didn't get discounted in advance, right? You can't buy the rumor and sell the fact if you've never bought the rumor because you don't know there's a rumor or you don't believe it. And so when the fact happens, nobody is positioned for it. Nobody is prepared for it. And that's where we are right now in the gold market. That's where we are in the gold stock market. In the bond market, in the U.S. stock market, nobody is prepared for any of the things that are going to happen because nobody believes that they're going to happen. And in fact, the big rally that you had, and you can even look at you know, my perspective and people can dismiss, oh, Peter Schiff is warning about a problem. Well, who cares? right? He's always warning about problems. right? And I've been warning about problems for a long time. I mean, that's true. But I haven't been saying the U.S. stock market is in a bear market. It's going to collapse. I mean, I have been bullish on U.S. stocks for most of this rally. I mean, you go back to my podcasts um, over, you know, since 2009. There have been times where I thought the U.S. stock market would go down, and there have been times where I thought it would go up. Most of the time, I thought it was going to go up. There were some times that I thought we would see a decline. In fact, I was one of the few people out there saying, if Donald Trump becomes president, that's not negative for the market. It's actually better than Hillary Clinton went, Right. So I, I'm not always out there saying the U.S. stock market is going to go down. Right? Now, that's different than me telling people to invest in the U.S. stock market. I have not told people to buy U.S. stocks, even though I didn't think they were going down, because I thought they would make more money buying foreign stocks, right? and I thought the dollar would go down. Now, you can say, well, people would have been better off had they bought U.S. stocks uh, for 2012 or 2013, 2014, 2015. Yes, that is true, but I didn't think the U.S. stock market was going to go down during those years. I thought it would go up. I thought people would make more money in foreign stocks because I thought they would do better because I expected the dollar to do worse. It didn't. We had a sucker's rally in the dollar, right? And it was a much bigger rally because there are, I guess, are a lot more suckers out there than I thought. You know, there's an old saying, you know, you can't underestimate the intelligence of the American public, right? Because no matter how low you estimate it, they're always going to be less intelligent than that. Well, the investing public is even worse, right? And I overestimated uh their intelligence to figure this stuff out, to understand this problem, particularly in the foreign exchange market. But now, I'm now saying the US stock market is going down. I'm saying we're in a bear market. I mean, when was the last time I said that? You know, because clearly we weren't in one. But I think we are because I'm seeing all of these warning signs uh that I wasn't seeing in the past, right? I knew about the problems, but there was no evidence that the problems were coming to a boiling point. But now there's evidence all over the place. Again, it's only evidence if you know what to look for. If you have no idea, then you can't see the evidence right? because you don't even know what it's evidencing. So you can't just oh dismiss Peter Schiff and say, well, you know, ah, well, he's always bearish. I am not. Right? There's a difference between telling people to invest in foreign stocks instead of U.S. stocks because you think people will make more money in foreign stocks than in domestic stocks than saying, I actually think U.S. stocks are going to go down. And I think they are going to go down until the Fed changes the game, right? i said before, we are in a bear market unless the Fed changes the game before we're down 20% in the Dow. They may do that. They may come out and take away the rate hikes. They may announce a rate cut. They may announce QE4. If they do that before we're officially in a bear market, we may avoid one. Right. But I think they're going to wait until we're in a bear market and then they're going to change to prevent the bear market from getting any worse. Right. Because I so I still think that we're going to technically get one. But with that with that caveat. But even if the Federal Reserve does that, it is not going to generate the real returns on the U.S. market relative to what investors could get overseas because the dollar is going to tank. And that is going to wipe out probably most, if not all, of the gains that you would have in U.S. stocks. Meanwhile, more and more money is going to be moving into foreign stocks and out of, uh, of domestic stocks. I mean, I, you know, I, looking at the oil stocks, I think I mentioned this before in a podcast, but yesterday, I think all three uh, of the international uh, integrated oil companies that we own uh, in a couple of our strategies made 52-week highs the same week. Uh, that ExxonMobil makes a 52-week low. So when you see U.S. oil stocks making lows, at the same time you see foreign oil stocks making highs, 52-week highs, what is that telling you? Right? Money is flowing out of U.S.-based assets into overseas-based assets. Now, maybe people are starting to gear up. They're starting to worry about a trade war and the implications of a trade war on American businesses versus foreign businesses. That could be part of it, but there's probably a lot more going on here. This is the beginning of major flows out of U.S. assets, which is the worst thing that can happen when you're increasing your deficits. When the U.S. government wants to borrow a lot more money, yet the foreign lenders are not in the mood to invest more money in U.S. assets when they'd rather pull their money out of U.S. assets and invest in in overseas assets, that is a very dangerous position to be in. And it's probably the worst time to be picking a fight with your international creditors who you're counting on. To loan you the money that you're trying to borrow. I mean, we just gave everybody a tax cut and we expect the Chinese uh, to pick up the slack. And, you know, now they're talking about, you know, tax cuts 2.0. They're talking about coming up with another tax cut or making the temporary tax cuts permanent. But remember, none of these tax cuts are permanent because the Democratic Congress and the Democratic president is going to raise taxes dramatically as soon as they get a chance in 2021. But I do think that The next big government stimulus is not going to be a tax cut, although it might be a tax cut for the lower income. It's not going to be a marginal tax cut, but it's going to be a government spending type. Maybe it'll be another payroll tax holiday, something like that. But it's going to be lots of government spending, lots of infrastructure, which where's that money going to come from? It's got to be borrowed. Right. Well, if the foreign appetite for our paper is diminishing, it's all going to be the Fed. The Fed is going to be a one man band. Right? They're not going to be the buyer of last resort. They're the buyer of only resort. And so the dollar is going to tank. Right? And yeah, I've been saying this for a long time, and it's been true for a long time. It just hasn't tanked. I mean, the dollar made a record low in the summer of 2008. And ironically, the financial crisis saved the dollar. People just rushed into the dollar. Uh and then when the Fed announced QE1, the dollar started to tank again. But when the Fed launched QE3 and basically declared victory and started talking about tapering, right, and raising rates, everybody thought that the that it worked, that the Fed's experiment was a success, that guys like Peter Schiff, who were pointing out the problems, were wrong. And then we had this big sucker rally in the dollar. Well, the suckers are about to find out how wrong they were, because when the Fed Announces QE4, they're going to realize that it was a failure, that the people like me who are critical of QE1 were right the whole time. And next time, you know, the dollar's not going to stop falling. This next crisis is going to be centered on the dollar. The dollar is going to be the focal point of the crisis and then the treasury bond market, which again is just longer term dollars. And the next time gold goes up, it's not going to stop, right? It peaked out at 1900 and then eventually it fell. Because everybody believed that everything was great. And when they find out that it's not, and that it's never going to be better, that there's no way for the Fed to ever reverse course, that the balance sheet will never shrink, that interest rates will never normalize, then gold's going ballistic. The only question in my mind is how much time do we have between now and then? And I don't know, but you want to err on the side of caution. You want to err on being early. Because you can't be late. Because if you're late, you're too late. You can only get this trade right if you do it early. Now, sure, doing it now is better than doing it four or five years ago, right? So it's more advantageous. But not doing it at all, it's better to have done it five years ago if you don't do it at all. But the perfect you know, or the great thing about people who are listening to this podcast now who didn't follow my advice five years ago, you can actually follow it now and you're going to be better off because you sidestep that sucker rally in the dollar. Of course, most people are not going to follow my advice now. And so they're actually going to be much worse off than the people who followed it four or five years ago, right? The people that ignored me four or five years ago and just put all their money in the US stock market, well, they have more money than people who put all their money in foreign stocks or gold, but not for long. You know, in a short period of time, the people who follow my advice are going to have a lot more money than the people who ignored it. But for now, you have an opportunity to follow my advice later and be better off than the people who followed it earlier. Now, if you started following my advice in 2001, right? Well, you're better off than the people who were in the U.S. stock market over that longer time period because we got that huge wave up. I remember gold was under 300 in 2001. That move up to 1,000—I mean, that was a big move. Oil, you know, foreign stocks, you know, went on a tear, but there was this really bad period of time for foreign investing and gold and gold stocks from 2013 through the end of 2015, right? And I had a lot of clients with me during those years. We experienced some pain, right? Just like Trump is saying that U S investors are going to have to experience some pain. Yeah. He's underestimating just how painful it's going to be. Well, we already experienced the pain. If you're been a gold investor, gold stock investor, you know, if you're out of the dollar, you experience that pain, Uh, for those three years, right? And what made it even more painful was that you missed out on this great party where everybody else was making money. Well, this is the payback. And you know what they say about payback, right? So we're about to get the long-term gain. We took the pain, and now we're going to get the gain. And, of course, the gain started in January of 2016. My strategy bottomed out just after the Fed raised interest rates. And that's when everybody thought it was going to get worse. Oh, well, the Fed raises rates. The dollar's gonna get killed. Well, the dollar went up. Oh, well, the Fed's gonna gonna raise rates. Gold's gonna get crushed. It's gone up three hundred dollars an ounce. So that trade is just building momentum. But for a lot of people, all they did is make back what they lost. So the real gain is what's gonna come over the next few years. But that's when the real pain is gonna come uh, for everybody else, and they have no clue that it's coming, right? And maybe they think, oh, I'll, I'll take a little pain. They have no idea just how painful it is going to be. So take advantage of this opportunity before the bottom drops out of the dollar, before gold goes through the roof, get your portfolio reallocated. You know, if you have a Europe Pacific Capital account, just over the weekend, you know, call up or a Monday morning, call up your broker, add to it, transfer some more money over there. If you don't have an account, open one up, right? Fund it. Buy yourself some gold call up my guys at ShiftGold, go to goldmoney.com, open up an account there. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, we have a few more months of this. I don't know. I mean, I'm joking. I'm, I'm about to leave on a cruise. And I, when I did my talk today, I said, I don't know how much time we have. Hopefully uh, we have at least until the cruise is over, because most people won't be able to get their account set up until they get back on shore. And of course, we probably do have another couple of weeks. But you never know, because one day we won't have a couple of weeks. Because one day will be the day before the collapse. And I believe the collapse is going to start while we're all sleeping. I believe it's going to start in Asia, right? A big move down in the dollar will happen overnight. A big move up in gold will happen overnight. And most Americans are just going to sleep through it. So if you don't want to wake up to a nightmare, make sure you're prepared right, before you go to bed. And you won't have to say your prayers, right? Because we don't have to pray for this. Right? If we do the right thing, we're going to get rewarded. It's not a question of what, of what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. The only question is when. Right? Nobody knows when for sure, but as I said, you've got to be prepared for when before it happens because you can't Monday morning quarterback it. If it's already happened and you're not prepared, then there's nothing you can do uh, to repair the damage. It's like once Humpty Dumpty falls off that wall, there's no way to put him back together again. Oh, oh, oh,